Well, it is great to be with you. I hope everybody's enjoying these days. This weather that we are having has been just incredible. God is truly blessing us. Yes, I know we do need water. It is true. I wouldn't argue with you, but it's just incredible. The, the days, the evenings are cool. Um, it's just, we love this time of year in Indiana. If you haven't already, grab that sheet around you, that note sheet, because you will need that. And then if you're a freestyler, then those are note sheets in the, in the back of the, the uh, chairs in front of you. So grab one of those so that you can uh, keep along with us there. Uh, this is week three, if you will, of our study in 40 days through the word. And, and our prayer is um, that you will continue to share with us what you're learning, how you're growing in this process. Uh, it, it is absolutely essential. Hopefully you've connected with those daily devotions. Now, they're a little longer than uh, what uh, Pastor Rick led us on to believe uh, initially, but for me, I just, I just put it on my phone, and there's a listen feature, so I just press listen while I'm driving, and it takes somewhere five to ten minutes um, to listen to it. So please share us, share with us that feedback. That tells us, hey, is this kind of material, is this kind of study good for us? Is it something that's beneficial to us? Now, keep in mind, it will only be beneficial if you are all in. If you're just skirting around the, ish, around the edge, you will never benefit from anything like this. You have to jump in with both feet and commit to being a part of it. But when you immerse yourself in God's word, it will have a benefit in your life. Uh, some people ask questions like, where does this kind of material come from? Well, in, in the world of ministry, there are these church-wide campaigns that exist. Um, some of them are new and fresh and just out. Some of them are ones that are years and years and years old. I believe this particular series was developed in the early, um, I think it was like 2010, 12, somewhere in there um, is when this series was developed. But the reality is the material is excellent. And, and, and Rick Warren, if you know who he is out at Saddleback and things like that, they have produced some incredible, incredible resources over the years. And it's a, honestly, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to be able to bring those into our environment. Most of us aren't going to get the chance to go to a church of, I don't know how many tens of thousands uh, the church of Saddleback is, but they make those resources available to us so that we can study along with them and what they're doing and, and thousands of other churches around the world. You, you see, being unified in the body of Christ is a wonderful wonderful thing. And so that's why we partake in these kinds of things. So if you ever wondered, like, where does this stuff come from and things like that? Probably I would say upwards of 90% of what we do here is completely original, uh, meaning God has, has brought it to my attention somehow, and then and we create it in-house. But there is a 10% or so that we're going to pull from other places, because why not? Um, it's awesome material. It's an awesome thing to be able to share with you, and there's such value in it, all right? So if you got any feedback, office at bccbrazil.org is where to send that, and we will We'll definitely, uh, definitely be reading that. All right. This weekend, this weekend, we are going to look at an amazing, amazing theme. How does the word of God change us? How does this book change our life? How can the word of God come in to who we are and rearrange, completely get rid of who we were and change us into something different? It is an incredible thing. Last week, we looked at seven reasons why we know for certain that the word of God is right and true. That it's not just a human book, not just a bunch of made-up stories and, and things like that. The, the reason the Bible has the power to change our lives is along that same note, because it is the breath of God. It is the spoken word of God to mankind. Now, why is the Bible unlike any other book? Well, there's a lot of good books in the world. Some of you would contend there are a lot of great books in the world, because you love reading. Those people that don't love reading might contend otherwise. But this one is different. 
Because this book is supernatural. It has a supernatural power, a power to literally transform lives. And the reason it has the power to transform lives is because it is the spoken word of God. We looked at those seven reasons of why we can know last week. And this week, we're going to look at a different seven reasons. They're shorter, don't worry. But there, there's seven, seven key reasons, and they are, they're, they're awesome. You're going to enjoy them. I promise, all right? I promise this. The most powerful thing in this world is actually the Word of God. And you might doubt me a little bit on that, but I'll, I'll challenge you with this. The power of the Word of God was demonstrated multiple times, but was it, it was most demonstrated in the sheer existence of this world. Do you remember how the universe came to be? God spoke it into existence. Yes, the very Word of God. God breathed. It is an incredible thing. For years, science argued that the universe was, was infinite in its origin and, its, and it'll last forever. But in more recent science, even the most brilliant atheistic minds in the world all come to an agreement now that there was definitely a point where the universe began. And there will be a point where it ends. Now, we don't know, obviously, when that point will be just yet. But, but it was created by something, somewhere. The psalmist said in, in Psalm 33, 6, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed, and the, wor the, the word and the stars were born. In a split second, the universe was spoken into existence. Now, man has come up with lots and lots of theories as to how this came to be. It's likely that many of you studied these things in your science or biology classes or physics classes and things like that. But we must always remember that those are only theories. None of them can be proven. No one was there when it happened. And there's no way to test scientifically if or reproduce those events that happened. So what are we left with? Well, we're left to the point where even scientists will eventually agree with God's word because ultimately science points to the word. God, but they're going to have to agree because they're going to have to come to a point where there was nothing, and then there was something. Now, they're going to argue from a position that says, well, there was nothing, and from nothing came nothing. And you can talk about that in your mind all you want scientifically, but you're really going to go insane eventually because there's no way to actually conclude that that's possible. We're going to argue from a different position. We're going to argue from a position of there was nothing, but something created out of nothing. So we've got something in there, and of course that something was God, God's word. He spoke. God didn't need something to create from. Simply didn't. He had his word. His word was enough to create from. So don't be confused by those arguments or those discussions. Eventually, they will arrive at the same point as us, and then our goal becomes to allow the Spirit to persuade them to understand that something was born from something out of nothing. And it's an incredible transformation that can exist within the lives of those people. It takes an enormous amount of faith to believe that nothing came from nothing. Truthfully, probably a lot more faith than believing that something created <laughs> out of nothing. All right? He didn't need any materials. God spoke, let there be light. Then he spoke again, let there be, let there be over and over He speaks life into existence. Jesus Christ, when he was walking this earth 2,000 years ago, literally spoke life into dead people and brought them back to life. And today, Jesus will still speak and bring life into the lives of people. 
It's an incredible power. Jesus says that his words were more than words. They were filled with spirit and life. 6.33, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. In other words, Jesus says, when I talk, they're not just words. It is spiritual power. We're talking about a spiritual life, things that transform societies, history, people. His word can literally do the impossible. The author of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is living and active. That word living, the Greek word zeo, means life, breath. God's word is alive. It is active. The Greek word there is the word we get our word energy from. It has energy to it. It has life about it. There's something else. It continues on in Hebrews to say this, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What's he saying? Well, it's sharper than any surgeon's scalpel. The word of God has the ability to cut right of the issue, the problem involved, to tell me what I need to change, what I need to correct, what I need to fix. It's not a skill saw, it's not a chainsaw. Maybe in today that we've been seen as a laser. It is so precise in what it's able to do in our life. It knows exactly what I need because it is the Word of God. Now, what do I need in my life? Well, I need change. I don't know about you. Yeah, I do. You need change. We all need to change, whether it's our behaviors, whether it's our attitudes, whether it's our treatments of others. We need to change. We know things in our lives that we should be changing. We know things in lives that we should be changing, but we don't want to because we like the bad things we're doing. But yet we know that it's there. The reality is you might have even tried to change things on your own, but it failed. You still haven't changed. God's word says that it is, has the only, it's the only thing that has the ability to change things within us. The famous pastor, D.L. Moody from Chicago, more than 100 years ago at this point, said, the Bible was not given to us to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to us to change our lives. He's absolutely correct. What we're going to look at is seven specific ways that God wants to change your life through his word. If you will invest fully his word into your life, he'll change you in these ways. The first one, he recreates our life. God's word has the power to recreate our life. In other words, when my life is falling apart, when my life is down in the dumps, when my marriage is a wreck, when my family is a mess, when literally everything is going in the wrong direction, he can step in. He can step in through his powerful word and he can recreate, give you an entirely new life, a fresh start. He lets me begin again. The Bible uses the phrase born again. And that's a very intentional phrase because it's a very dramatic phrase. It is not an easy phrase. Women, having birth, giving birth, not an easy process. It's hard to do. It's an incredible, it's a miraculous process that God is telling you this hard, miraculous process. I can do this in you. I can allow you to be born again, created all over again. It is an incredible process. You don't just turn over a new leaf. <laughs> you get an entirely new beginning. And here's the thing. God is not silent. You see, without the word of God, without the word of God, I, I really couldn't be saved. Now you might say, well, no, Jesus could still save you. Yes. How would you have learned about Jesus? How would you have learned about Jesus? I, I could still go to heaven. Yeah, how would you even know heaven existed without the word of God? How would you know that Jesus went to a cross and sacrificed his life for you without the word of God being shared with you in some form, in some fashion? We wouldn't know how to trust him. We wouldn't 
be able to learn about him or what he requires of our life or how to allow him to change our life. We wouldn't know any of the things that we need to know in order to get to know our God without his word. He is not silent. He's just chosen to reveal himself through his word instead of walking this earth as he did with his son, Jesus. He wants us to know him intimately. He knows everything about us and he's revealed to us pieces of who he is. It's not the full picture. There's elements of, un of God that we do not understand and they're not fully revealed in his word. We won't experience that till we're in his presence, but he's given us enough enough to know him. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.15, from a child you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. It's this book that's gonna show you, point you the direction toward heaven. Now we've talked about it before. The Bible's often compared to a seed. We talked about it a few weeks ago. A seed planted in your life and once it takes root in your heart, it begins to sprout, it begins to grow, it eventually begins to bear fruit. And then all of these changes begin to exhibit themselves in your life. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, 23, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. In other words, eternal seed through the living and enduring word of God. Circle those two words if you've got that out or if you've got your, your uh, Bible app out or whatever, highlight those two words, living and enduring. The word of God is not just words. It's alive, it's active, it's living within us. As James says, we go on, we must humbly accept the word of God planting in us. We, we've got to accept it. We've got to embrace it. It doesn't just happen to stop by on its way. We have to draw it in. God begins by recreating my life through his word, but that's only the first step. That's only number one. There's a whole lot more that the word of God does to change our life. The second thing, it eradicates, gets rid of, eliminates, destroys my guilt. Uh, this is a big one. This is a really big one in our society and has been since the time of, of Christ as well. I do not have to have any guilt whatsoever in my life. I do not have to go around my life with regrets. I do not have to go around with shame in my life. Most people are forced, they force themselves to live with memories. They live with a past that can't, they cannot seem to get over. It could be people that have hurt them and so they have resentment or it could be that they have hurt others and so they have true guilt. Hopefully, hopefully you know, if you've never heard this before, maybe for the first time today, that's fine. God doesn't want you going through that your entire life. That's why he sent his son. He doesn't want you to carry that baggage, that burden any longer. He wants to take it from you. He wants you to live a life free of guilt. And the, God, the Bible, God's word was given to us to show us how to become guilt God uses the word to eradicate, to eliminate, to destroy the guilt that exists within our lives. So has the question for us, if you're already a believer, have you fully allowed the word of God to eliminate that guilt or are you still clinging to it to try to handle it on your own? Maybe you know someone in life that is dealing with a past of regret and guilt and shame. If they know Jesus, well, that's one to have. If they don't know Jesus, you have the only cure. They will never, ever get over that guilt and shame in their life until you share Jesus with them. Never. 
You are the one God has chosen. You know this about this person. You have the power to take to them the only thing that can free them from that suffering in their life. Are you selfish? Are you going to hang on to that or are you going to go and release it to someone who's in desperate, desperate, desperate need? You see, God's going to cleanse you. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a disinfecting verse full of Clorox wipes and hand sanitizer, children. That's what God is telling you he's going to do, only he's not going to get rid of 99.9% .9 of the bacteria and infection. He's going to get rid of 100%, absolutely, not just in the moment, but into the future as well. He's going to get rid of all the dirt, all the dirt in our life. Paul writes in Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation, zero, zip, nada, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It means all the things you've done wrong in your life, no, God is not going to punish you for those things. Why? Because Jesus already took the punishment for you. He can't punish you. Some might ask, well, what about the sin I commit tomorrow? Well, I'll start with this. If you're already plotting and planning on how you're going to sin tomorrow, then I'm just going to go out on a limb and say you're not in Christ. Sorry. But there is a reality. You're going to sin tomorrow. I'm going to sin tomorrow as well. And if I'm in Christ and I confess that sin to Christ, it's gone too. He'll continue to forgive me, but please give up the plotting and planning of how you're going to sin tomorrow. That's just not a wise way to live, all right? It, it, it just seems to make sense. It just seems to make sense. There's no condemnation. That is a guilt-relieving passage. It is a shame-reducing passage. It is a regret-eliminating passage. God's word, has, God's word has been given to us to cleanse us from guilt. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, chapter 5, verse 25. Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Yes, it's that powerful. Circle the phrase, through the word. What's he saying? When I take the word of God, and I fill my mind, and I fill my heart, and I fill my life with it, then it washes me. It cleanses me. It gets rid of the dirt, the grime, the guilt, the shame, the sin out of my life. That is what God's word does. It makes me clean inside. It gives me a spiritual cleansing that allows me to move forward when I live by the teaching of his truth. So that's number two. Recreate your life, eliminates, eradicates the guilt from our life. Number three, the word of God activates my faith, activates my faith. It not only eliminates or gets rid of my guilt, it activates my faith. This is so important because this is what gives you confidence in your faith. This world today, people are not very confident. I don't know how many people you interact with, how many people you talk to. They might be fairly confident in their specific trade or specific skill. But in life in general, they are not very confident. People are not very courageous. Most people are fearful. They are scared. They're afraid to take risks. They have a fear of failure. They're afraid of dying even. They're filled with all kinds of fears. They're not walking confidently because they are not people of faith. We're talking about people outside of the faith. Now, this can also happen to people inside of the faith. Now, we're not talking about being intelligent. Please understand the difference here. If you're a person right now in this world that we live and you are at high risk for contracting a certain disease that we don't even like to talk about anymore, do we? Right? We just don't even want to say the name anymore because we're so sick of it. But if you have a risk of that, it's intelligent to avoid situations where you might be exposed. That's not fear. That's common sense. 
But if you're locked yourself at home and you refuse to do anything out of fear, you're a person of faith, well, that's a different issue. And maybe we're not spending enough time in the Word of God to overcome our fear. We still have to be intelligent human beings. But if fear is a thing dominating us, if there is no peace, then there's a disconnect with God's Word for sure. Faith is the Word activated. Paul writes to the Romans, chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. If you've ever read a verse in the Bible and all of a sudden it hits you, I get it. I can do this. What just happened? Well, your faith was just activated. It was just, the, the play button just got pressed because you read the word and it all of a sudden became real to you. That can happen when you're listening to a pastor on a Sunday morning, when you're singing a worship song, when you're spending time in prayers, when you're in your own quiet, quiet personal devotional time. The word of God can be activated for you, but you got to be in it for that to happen. I can do this. I now get it. I understand. I can say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It makes sense. It has meaning to me. Now, there's a difference. There's a difference between the Bible and self-help books. Self-help books do provide some good material, some good information. Some of you have probably read some. The problem is they don't give you the power to accomplish whatever it is they're suggesting you do. For example, they might tell you, hey, if you just want to succeed in life, that's great. You need to stop worrying. True. That's a true statement. If you really want to succeed in life, then, then just give up all of your bad habits. Great idea. How? <laughs> well, just quit. How? <laughs> Don't do it. Any How? Right. There's no power in those words. There's no power in things on TV. Only God's word says, do this, do that. And oh, by the way, here's my spirit inside of you to guide you, to direct you, to strengthen you as you fight these wars with the things around. The power of God is the, not only tells you what to do, but it gives you the power to do it. It increases your faith. When you read the thousands of promises in the Bible, God routinely says, hey, if you do this, then I will come right alongside and do this and this and this and this. And that should increase your confidence in him and ultimately in your faith. How does it apply? How does, what does it look like in our lives? Well, if you're battling something like depression, or fear, or anxiety. I know, this is going to seem a little harsh, so please hear me to the end. If you right now in life are going through hell, do not stop there. Keep going. We humans love to get content in our misery, and we build our foundation, we lay our feet down, and we say, I'm just going to stay here, and I'm, I'm not going to move. And God would never suggest that. God's saying, keep going. Keep moving through. This too shall pass. That's in there. If we're walking with Christ, we're not standing. This isn't a standing with Christ. Our life is a walk, a movement toward him closer and closer. What can God teach me during this time? How can he help me through this time? If this is you, please, please, please find yourself in the word of God. If you're suffering in this way, it brings life. Now understand the word of God does not promise to eliminate the darkness from around us. It never does that. All it promises is that it will certainly always be with you and guide you through that darkness. You're reading 
Your reading will begin to activate your faith. The more you read, the more you spend time in God's word, the more courage, the more confidence you will gain. And this confidence is not in yourself and it's not in your knowledge. Your confidence becomes more and more and more in Christ. I can do this because God has promised this, that he will be with me. There's an incredible story in the Old Testament all the way back in the book of Exodus, chapter 23, a man named Joseph, or Joshua. Joshua has been tasked with taking over for Moses. If you've never stopped and paused for just a second to consider what that task might have been like, imagine taking over for the man that came in and freed over a million people from the bondage of slavery out of Egypt and guided them through this crazy wilderness for 40 years. The things that Moses did, the people had seen Moses, heard Moses. Imagine being the guy, yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm replacement, everybody. <laughs> I would not want that job. My goodness gracious, what a standard. It's no surprise that when God tasked Joshua with this idea that Joshua eventually came to the point where he realized, I can't do this. Who on earth am I? I'm not Moses. Like, I, I can't go in. Oh, God, what are you talking about? This is too big for me. I can't. There's no way. There's no way. So he began to give all these excuses. I'm sure none of us have ever done that. When God has asked us to do something, and we know it's God asking us, like, well, I got this to do. God, I'm busy here. I got this appointment. I got this. I get. Well, I'm not really good at that. Um, I'm sure none of us have ever made those excuses for God, right? So what did God do? Well, God admitted to Joshua, hey, you're right. You can't do it. <laughs> Sorry. Have you seen the end? Oh, my goodness. There's so many of them. You're totally right, Joshua. But here's the thing. Um, they're bigger than you, but I'm not giving you the whole thing at once, kid. You're going to take a little here. You're going to take a little there. And eventually when you get strong enough, it will all be yours. The promised land will in all, in fact, be yours. But here's the thing. It's going to be one little step at a time. And, and in fact, actually, it's going to take Joshua the rest of your life for this to happen. <laughs> oh, a little different perspective. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. You know, he, he makes the same promise to us. When God asks us to do something, he doesn't necessarily want or even desire for us to do it all right in that very moment. What he desires is us to A, be willing. We're serving on Jesus' timetable, not ours, at his pace. And will you say these words? Will you tell Jesus, Jesus you can do whatever you want with my life? Are you willing to say that to him? Or is that too far? Is that too much? Do you still need some power and some control in your life? God can give us the confidence to take on enormous, enormous tasks, set goals that we could never even dream of, but through God, his word, it'll activate your faith. Number four, the fourth thing God's word can do is it stimulates growth. Now that only makes sense. If you spend time in God's word, you're going to grow. It's going to stimulate your spiritual growth. It recreates your life. It lets you start over, gives you a fresh start. It, it allows you to be born again. It eradicates, gets rid of your guilt, wipes the slate clean, activates my faith, and then you begin growing in your faith. This verse from Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Luke writes these words of Paul. He's talking to the city and the people of Ephesus. He says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. You see, Paul's leaving and he's never coming back to this church ever again. And he wants to make sure that he leaves them with some really good instructions. Really good instructions. I'm going to commit you to God and to the word of his grace. You circle that. Which can build you up. Circle that. It can build you up. Building you up, that would be growing. <laughs> Stimulating your growth and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. What does that mean? Give you an inheritance 
among those who are sanctified. Now, all of us know what an inheritance is, right? Whether you've got one or not, that's a whole other story. But we all know what an inheritance is. And so imagine this for a moment, okay? It's you getting what rightfully belongs to you as a part of being, uh, as, as, uh, because you are part of a certain family. So let's just imagine for a moment that you happen to be the, the son or daughter of, uh, pick a person, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, you, you name it, doesn't matter. They write a will, they ultimately pass away, and you go, you know what, I'm not even going to bother looking at that will. Don't even care what it has in it, it doesn't matter to me. What would you call that? Give me a word. Stupid, I heard it, yeah, stupid. <laughs> what on earth are you thinking? There's got to be some kind of, at least financial, benefit within that document for you, and yet you're going to spend your whole life never even taking a peek to see what might be inside. That just doesn't seem very bright, does it? It just doesn't. Well, I hate to tell you this, Christians. As a believer in Christ, when you put your life in Christ's hands, when you trust in Him for salvation, you are not just a believer. You are now a belonger. You are now a part of the family of God. And being a part of that family, you have certain responsibilities, yes. But you also have certain privileges. And the Bible says that we have an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance that you are going to gain from God, not just here on earth, that's where it begins, but into eternity, into heaven. And by the way, God is more wealthy than pick a name of a person and combine them all together and then just pretend they don't exist because that's the reality of the wealth of God. Whatever you do, what if you decide to go through your entire life not knowing the power not knowing the opportunities, not knowing the blessings, not knowing the benefits that are available to you as a child of God? What if you never took time to know what they were? What would you call that? I'll let you fill in the blank in your own mind. See, God wants to stimulate your growth. He wants to give you an inheritance that you are his child. You rightly belong to him, and there are things that then rightly belong to you as a result. Of course, you won't find these things anywhere but the Word of God. Paul writes again in 2 Timothy 3.16. We've quoted this. We'll continue to throughout this passage. All Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful. It's important for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. There's four items there. So that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The purpose of the Bible is to help us live out God's purpose for our life, that you will be thoroughly equipped, you'll have everything you need, you'll be fully prepared, that you'll be ready to face life, that you've got everything you need to take on life. And when he says the way God gets you ready for life, the way that he gets you prepared for his purposes through this training, okay? So let me explain these four terms very simply in a way that you will understand. Rebuking, what does that mean? It means God's showing me how I got off the path and now I'm in a ditch. God's rebuking me, he's showing me where I messed up, and why I am where I am right now. Re, re, beyond that, I left off teaching, sorry. Teaching, the first one, he, he told you, he tells you what path to be on. This is where you're supposed to be. Rebuking is then him coming along and saying, hey, uh, you, you got off the path here. You're in the ditch. Let me help you get back on the path. So he corrects us. He gets us back on the path, headed in the right direction, and then training. Okay, now here is how you stay on the path. Quit getting off. It's a very simple process that this is used for. And that's the way the word of God helps me grow. That's the way the word of God helps me grow. Number five. Number five, he uses the Bible to illuminate my, my mind. This is one of my favorites. He, he, he uses God's word to illuminate my mind. What does this mean? How does it work? Psalm 119, 
verse 130 says, understanding your word brings light to the minds of ordinary people. I'm an ordinary, plain old person, human being, nothing special about me at all. And God tells me that if I spend time in his word, then he will use his word to bring light to my mind. It will be illuminated. God wants his word to bring the light into every single mind of every single person. Enlightenment isn't just for one age group. It's not for one class of people. It's for everyone, every single person. He wants to light up their minds with the truth of who he is, with the truth of the next step in life, the next direction to take in our life, the truth of how to handle the feelings that I'm having, how to handle the good relationship things that are going on, the bad relationship things that are happening. He wants to bring light to our lives. How does he do it? How does he turn on the light? Well, it works a few different ways. It works a few different ways. Some of you have had the experience before where you've just been reading along in God's word. All of a sudden, it just hits you. It dawns on you. The light is turned on and it is revealed to you. Your mind has been illuminated, right? Sometimes, most of the time, it dawns on you slowly. Oh, maybe you've read that passage a hundred times and this time you read it and you're like, I get it now. Or maybe somebody explained it in a way that you didn't understand. Psalm 119, verse 99, David writes, I have more insight than all of my teachers, for I meditate on your statues. Focus on that one word, meditate. If you've noticed throughout this, there's going to be a lot of references to Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in all of the Holy Bible. However, it also is all about the Word of God, and so it's a very important reference to what we're talking about in this series. That's why we look at it so much. This passage reminds us that meditation is actually the key, usually, to turning on the light. You soak your mind, you absorb, you fill your mind with the word of God. If you are in a small group, and, and man, we want to continue. If, everybody, if anybody ever asked, okay, so I've been coming for a while, what's my next step to get plugged in, to get involved with things right now? I'm always going to say, hey, be a part of one of the community groups because in places like that right now, we're studying meditation throughout this entire series. We're talking about different ways to study God's word. And so this first week, this first form of meditation is so simple. It was this simple, simple, simple pronounce it method, the devotional Bible study method. And you use this simple tool of pronouncing it. And you go through a verse, you just pick it apart word by word. That's all. And you emphasize each word. And then you go and you look at each word and you just kind of write down a definition. What does this word mean? And then you might have to look at the text before and after to see if it's related to something else. But you just go through and define each word of that text. And when you're done, you've broken apart an entire verse. And you have this huge wealth of knowledge from this one sentence that you just spent 10 or 15 minutes looking at. It's an incredible process. We can't go through it here on a Sunday morning. We can't teach you how to do it. You've got to have those things to get deeper. When you soak your mind in the word, God turns the light on. He helps you see things from a different perspective in a different way. And once that happens, he gives you the opportunity to do something else. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That's a pretty famous verse. He turns the light on so we can have some direction in our life, a lamp unto my feet. But you'll notice that that light is limited. It's limited. How does this work? How does this happen? Well, he gives you a flashlight. He doesn't turn on the old big overhead lights. He doesn't turn on the big auditorium lights. He gives you a flashlight. And he said, okay, here's what's ahead. Take a look. Now, that's not enough for a lot of us, is it? That's not enough. I, I, God, I want to see farther. Well, if you take your flashlight and look all the way down the path to the end, that's great, but you're probably going to trip and fall on your face between here and there because you can't see what's right in front of you. And so God's constantly wanting to see what's next, what's next. 
What do you, how do you see the next step? Well, you take one, <laughs> and then you can see the next step, and you just keep gradually moving. Now, some of you might say, you know what, God, I'm not going to move until you show me how this is going to end. I just refuse. Well, that's great. You can do that. I, I'm, I'm going to break some bad news to you. God has a lot more time than you do. I mean, really, he does. Yours is limited. His isn't. So you can wait there as long as you want. And here's the bad news for many Christians. Some of you are still waiting. Years and years ago, God said, this is what I would like you to do. This is where I would like you to become. This is where I would like you to go. This is who I would like you to reach out to years ago. And you're still sitting there waiting for God to show you. Well, if I do that, God, how's that going to turn out? And God says, no, here's the step. I told you where to go. I told you what to do. Do it. Do it. Trust me. That's what his word does. It illuminates our path one step at a time. One step at a time. Just enough light. One great way to turn on the light in your life is through prayer. And not just any prayer, but specifically praying the word of God. The passage that is our memory verse for this week, Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. What if every time before you open the word of God, you prayed that prayer? Open my eyes, God, as I read your word so that I might be able to see the incredible, wonderful things in your word. And then you open God's word. Your mind is now open for illumination. The sixth way. The sixth way God changes my life through his word is a big one. It elevates my mood. It increases my mood. It makes me happier. It makes me more joyful. It brings me encouragement. It brings me hope. And some people really, really, really need their mood elevated don't they? Don't let that be you, Christian brother and sister. I've been many a church service talking to a, a specific portion of the population. I won't go any further than that and talk to some really, really grumpy brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I know there is pain, there is hurt, and that causes our feelings, our emotions to be negative. I get that. And I, I feel for you. I, I pray for you. I pray that God will take away or relieve that pain from you because I know what that does to you mentally and emotionally. But spiritually, you should be full of hope regardless of your physical health. Whenever we get discouraged, we don't need a coffee break. Whenever we get frustrated, we don't need to just step out of the room. We need to step into the word of God. God gave us his word to encourage us. Don't believe me? Paul, Romans 15, 4. Everything that was written in the past, he's talking about God's word, was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Yes, the scriptures were given to us to encourage us. If you circle four words within that passage, the word everything, encouragement, scriptures, and finally the word hope. Everything in scriptures is for our encouragement and hope. Everything, yes, everything everything. And some of it's difficult. Some of it's hard to get through. Some of it's hard to understand. How could this bring me encouragement? God, guess what you got to do? You got to dig in and you got to find out, God, how is this to bring encouragement to me? Everything is there. So the next time you're discouraged, you feel fatigued, you're running low on energy and you get home from work, instead of turning on the TV or hopping on the computer, just a thought, how about opening the word of God? God, man, I am down today. I'm defeated today. God, I just need to spend some time in your word today. Will you just give me some joy for my family so I'm not a jerk to all of them when, I get, when they get home later? Can you just help me through this, God? Just be real, be honest, be open up front with him. He will provide what you need, but you have to be willing to go to him and allow him to show you what you need. And you may not like what you find, but you asked. 
God gave. Now follow through. This week, in your small group, you're going to learn four essentials for a good quiet time, and then six steps on how to actually put it in to practice. You see, we just can't cover everything in here. That's why it's so important to get connected. That's why that's the next step for anybody in here. We want people to go deeper. You can do it on your own, too, but faith is better in community. Psalm 119, 14, the message reads this way. You are my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. The word of God is meant to renew us, to regenerate, to change us, to encourage us. It's meant to bring us hope. If you've lost discouraged, you've lost, or you've been to come discouraged, you've lost hope. It likely reveals that you're probably not spending enough time with God and his word. Because if you were, his word would bring you encouragement. It would bring you hope. Maybe not in the situation you're in, but in your life overall. The more you feel discouraged, the more you feel hopeless, the more you need to be in the word of God. It recreates your life, gives you that fresh start. It gets rid of the guilt that you've had for all the stupid things that we've all done in our life. It activates your faith. It stimulates your growth. It illuminates my mind. It elevates my mood. And then there's one last one to go over today. And that's this. And this one's a fun one, if you've never thought about it. It liberates your potential. It frees your potential. It unshackles your, your potential. This is so important because you must understand that only God, only God, your creator, knows your full potential. You don't know who you could become. Your parents don't know, your spouse doesn't know, your boss doesn't know. No one knows who you could become except for the one who created you. He created you for a purpose on purpose. God only knows what you're truly capable of. You do not know the greatness that exists inside of you. Only God can draw that out. What we have to do is get out of the boxes that all the people in our lives have forced us into. Right now, most people live for the expectations of others, for the approval of others. Then they worry. Then they think about what other people might potentially think about them. If your life has been limited, and it has likely, by people that have lied to you, they flat out told you, you can never become this. You're never going to be good at that. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be like so-and-so. You're never, and for so many people, that has dwelled in their minds forever, and it's placed them in this box, whether they know it or not, and they refuse to get outside of that. That has limited their potential. Well, God would say, get out of that box. Get that stuff out of your way. Those were all lies. We do not know the potential that we have inside of us. Only God knows. The impact, the greatness of the impact that your life could have on this earth. Have you ever thought about your life? Your life having the ability, capacity to be great on this earth, to impact others with the greatness of God on this earth? Have you ever thought you were capable of that? Because if you haven't, then you've been lied to and you've believed it. Because God says, I'm in you. You have a greatness inside of you you can't even fathom. Would you let me go? Would you let me work in your life? You won't even believe what occurs. <laughs> Jesus said, John 8, 31, if you continue on my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth 
And the truth will set you free. It will unlock you. It will liberate you. It will free your potential to do things you never even thought you possibly could ever do. So what happens when you put all seven of these together? Well, here's what it sounds like. Would you like, would you like to have a life that's recreated after it fell apart? Would you like to have your guilt eradicated, eliminated for everything you've ever done wrong? Would you like to have your faith activated? So you can be more confident and more courageous in your faith? Would you like to have your growth stimulated so you begin, you begin to become who you were meant to be and become more and more like Jesus? Would you like to have your mind illuminated so that you can make decisions, so that you can see the truth of God's word? Would you like to have your mood elevated? Would you like to have an improved state of existence here on this earth so you're not always down in the dumps? And would you like to have your potential liberated, completely freed to see what God can accomplish through you? Is anyone interested and those seven things for your life. Because if you are, there's a place you can go to find out details on every single one of them. It's all right there in the word of God. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. You're not gonna have any of these things done for you by television, by friends and relatives, by politics, by your job, or by any other thing on planet Earth. The only way, the only way you're gonna be completely recreated have that guilt completely eliminated, your faith activated, your growth stimulated, your mind illuminated, your mood elevated, and ultimately, ultimately your potential liberated is through the word of God. How do I gain these benefits? Well, we're gonna talk about that a lot. Not next week, but beginning the week after. There's three really simple things. You gotta learn it. You see, you can't do something you don't know. Number two, you gotta accept it. You gotta allow it, it the authority in your life. You gotta accept it. And you got to do it. You just got to do it. Those are Jesus' words, John 3, 17. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed because you know them. Is that what he said? No. Okay, now that you know these things and wrote them down in your notebook, you will be blessed because you wrote them down on that piece of paper. Not quite. Getting there, getting closer. No, he's very specific. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's very specific. You don't get blessed for knowing parts of the Bible. You don't get blessed for writing them down. You get blessed because you've accepted them, because you've learned them, and because you ultimately acted upon them. And then you know what you get? You get your life completely recreated. You get your guilt eradicated. You get your mood elevated. You get your faith activated. You get your spiritual growth on the right track. You're growing and growing and growing and growing. And so it's stimulated. And of course, your potential is free and ready to do whatever God wants you to do on this planet. It's an incredible feeling. And so to close today, our memory verse for next week, remember how we do this. We read the verse, and then, or we read the, the, the book chapter verse, then we read the actual verse itself, and then we repeat the book chapter verse one more time. So this week is Psalm 119.18. So say Psalm 119.18. There you go. We'll divide it into three phrases. Open my eyes that I might see the wonderful things in your law. Every time you open God's word, open my eyes, God, that I might see the wonderful things in your law. If you've never done that, if today was the first day that your eyes were maybe open to get a glimpse of Jesus, then maybe today is the day that you accept Jesus for the first time. Maybe today as a believer in Christ, you were finally convicted that you're still sitting here 20 years later asking for God to turn the light on down the hallway. And God said, I got you, hell, light right here, right here. The next step, just do it. Just take that next step. Maybe that next step is ready for you today. Father God, we thank you for your word. Man, it's so, it's so encouraging 
When you spend time in the word of God, you can't be discouraged. You, you can get frustrated. You can be upset. You can feel guilty because you realize you're not living the way that God wants you to. You're not the husband or you're not the wife or you're not the parent or you're not the employee. You're not the follower of Jesus that he's, he's desiring for you. But that's just a correction. That's God teaching us who he wants us to become. If we're in Christ, there's no guilt in that. Father, you free us from that guilt. You're exposing us to that. You're exposing this area of our life that needs attention. You're shining the light on it, and you're showing us the next step. God, get into your word. Let me spend time in your word that I might see the wonderful things you have in store for me in your law. Father, as a body of believers, we gotta dig in deep. We gotta dig in. An hour on Sunday morning ain't gonna cut it. It's not gonna cut it. We gotta dig in deep. This is just a platform to step off of and into the reality of our lives and how we can fit your word into our lives. You've given us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's more than enough time for every single thing that we deem important in our life. And so if we're claiming right now, God, I just don't have the time to spend in your word, then that's telling me that I put something else ahead, and there's nothing in our life that should be ahead of our time spent with you. Let us rearrange. Father, turn that light on right in front of me that says, oh, I could eliminate this real easy. Insert the word of God right there. And Father God, if there's somebody today that's never truly heard the word of God spoken and they don't understand how can God provide all of these things for me, I pray that the Spirit moves them to understand that God can provide these things because he sent his son, his son Jesus, to this earth for them to live a sinless life. So that all these mistakes, all these things that we do wrong, he could step in and say, hey, hey, I've got that. I never did anything wrong and I'm gonna take your mistakes upon myself so that you can have your guilt eliminated so that you can be free of sin and shame so that you can have an eternity with me in heaven. If there's someone that's never heard those words today, I pray today is the day in their mind, whether they're in-house today or they're watching online, to make that decision for Christ. And be one of your children and accept their inheritance into your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray.